Hello and welcome to episode number 37 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. My name is Jeff, and as usual, I'm going to be your host for this podcast trip to what I like to think of as the best city in the world, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, as you probably noticed, this particular episode of the podcast is a bit different in tone and tenor from any of the previous episodes of the show. There's no fanfare, there's no music, there's no sound effects, and there's a reason for that. This episode is being released on the eve of the second anniversary of the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history. Of course, I'm talking about the massacre at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival on October 1st, 2017 in Las Vegas. 58 people killed, 422 wounded by gunfire, with a total of over 850 people injured. Now, I wrestled heavily with whether or not to even do an episode about this terrible piece of Las Vegas history. In the end, I decided that it was important to acknowledge it and do a show about it, but keep it respectful and stay within the mood of the tragedy. Here's what I'm not going to do in this episode of the podcast. I'm not going to talk about gun control. I'm not going to talk about any of the weird, crazy conspiracy theories floating around out there. And I'm not going to mention the name of the person who perpetrated this horrific act. Something else I'm not going to do is interview anyone who was at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival. And here's why. The reason being that I didn't feel it was appropriate or proper to ask someone to relive what was likely the worst day of their lives for a podcast. Here's what I am going to do in this episode, though. I'm going to share my own story, my own thoughts, my own reaction to the event. I'm going to talk about the way the people of Las Vegas reacted to this tragedy. And I'm going to pay tribute to the 58 people who lost their lives while doing something that they absolutely loved. So October 1st, 2017, for me, I was actually in Winnipeg. I was thousands of miles away visiting family. We were there for a, a family event of some sort. And if I recall correctly, we were absolutely bagged that day. So we went to bed early. I put my phone on do not disturb, rolled over, went to sleep the night of October 1st. The next morning, October 2nd, as you're apt to do nowadays, I rolled over. The first thing I did was grab my phone to check Facebook. Now, you know, Facebook has that feature that allows people to mark themselves safe in case of an event or a tragedy. I started seeing in my Facebook feed all these people who were marking themselves safe in Las Vegas. And my first thought was, shit, like what's what happened in Las Vegas? What's going on? And then as I started to scroll more and more through my my Facebook feed and I jumped over onto to Google, onto Google News, I was seeing these stories 
breaking news about a shooting at a concert in Las Vegas. Then as I scrolled further, I started to see the stories were about a shooting at a music festival in Las Vegas and an outdoor festival in Las Vegas. And the, 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 the death toll was starting to climb and it was initially, it was 20 and then it was 40 and then it was up around 60 people. And my heart just immediately just sank regular listeners of this show will know that I have a lot of friends in Las Vegas and almost all of them are involved in the entertainment industry in some way, shape or form. Many of them are session musicians and they'll perform with various touring acts and, and performers that come to town Others are singers, others are dancers. Many of them are production type people who work backstage and they gig at various events, such as the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival. The longer I looked at this and the more I thought about it, the more I realized that any one of my friends could be involved in this. So I immediately started sending out text messages and Facebook messages to my friends. Are you okay? Are your friends okay? Is your family okay? I started getting responses back almost immediately. I'm okay. I wasn't there. I was at my gig on the strip. We went into lockdown, but we're fine. I had other friends who had been at the festival earlier in the day who decided to leave 15, 20 minutes before the shooting actually happened because they had to be up early the next day. I had a couple of friends that took a little bit longer to get back to me. As the day went on and I wasn't hearing back from them, I was starting to legitimately get concerned. I think my last friend finally got back to me at about 7.30 or 8 o'clock on the night of October 2nd. And he had been not at the event that night, but with everything going on, he had been up all night making sure all of his friends were okay. So he was exhausted and had pretty much slept the entire day and had turned his phone off. That was probably one of the scariest days of my life. It was the, the uncertainty of not knowing what was going on, not knowing where my friends were, and also not really knowing or understanding what had happened. And as the day went on and I started to watch more news coverage and go deeper into the news coverage, whether it was online or on TV, on CNN, or even looking at the BBC and the Canadian news, the strangest thing about something like this 
And I remember talking to people after 9-11 had happened in New York City, people that had been to New York and knew exactly where everything was. And they said how, how crazy it was to be able to put something in context when a tragedy occurs. You're able to put yourself in that world. And I never really understood that until this tragedy in Las Vegas happened. Because as the news coverage was, was showing footage of the site and footage of the area and, and giving ideas of locations of where everything sort of happened, I was able to put it in context. I knew exactly where everything was when they were showing it on the news. I knew where that festival site was. I knew the corner of Mandalay Bay where the gunfire was coming from. I was able to, in my mind's eye, imagine that and, and, and put it into, into context, so to speak. I had walked past that location a million times and never thought anything of it. Never in a million years would I ever have imagined that anything like that could happen. And frequent listeners of the show know that I sort of half-jokingly refer to my friends in Las Vegas as my Vegas family. When I say that about them, I'm serious. These are people that I've known for several years now, five, six years, that I see on a very regular basis. I, in fact, as crazy as it is, I think I, I actually see them more than I see my real family a lot of times. To know that I was thousands of miles away and not able to do anything to support them absolutely killed me. Knowing that I couldn't just look them in the eye and tell them it was okay, give them a hug, let them know that I was there for them to support them and help them was absolutely heartbreaking to me. So after I was able to let it all sink in and let everything settle in my brain, the first thing I did was book a trip to go to Las Vegas. I wanted to be there. I felt I had to be there. And when I told some of my friends here that I had done that, they looked at me and said, well, what are you crazy? Aren't you scared? Aren't you worried about going down there? Aren't you worried that something could happen? And my response to people has always been the same when they ask questions like that. You cannot 
and must not live your life in fear. When you do, especially in a situation like this, the cowards win. I mean, let's be honest for a second, and I don't want to go down a a super dark path here with this, but let's be honest, brutally honest. We're all going to die. It could happen at any moment. I could have a brain aneurysm and drop dead right now while I'm recording this podcast. I could step off the curb later today and get run over by a bus. Or I could be killed as part of a a mass shooting or a terrorist attack in Las Vegas. But I absolutely refuse to live my life in fear. Now, when I go to Las Vegas, am I a little more hypervigilant? Am I a little more aware of things? Absolutely, I am. But I refuse to let an incident like this or any other similar incident dictate my life. I just absolutely flat out refuse to do so. So, two weeks later, I was in Las Vegas, staying right up the street from the Mandalay Bay. I was in the Luxor, in the pyramid, as a matter of fact, with a room facing the corner of Mandalay Bay where the gunfire came from. And the people that I interacted with when I was in Las Vegas on that trip, staff at the Luxor, staff at Mandalay Bay, staff at the Excalibur, that entire end of the strip, people were thankful I was there. They were grateful that I was there. They were genuinely overjoyed that I was there. They appreciated that I had made that effort to come down because so many people had deserted them in what they thought was a time of need. Now, the other thing that absolutely amazed me after this tragedy, watching the news coverage and reading the stories, was seeing the reaction of the people of Las Vegas. Yes, they were absolutely terrified and horrified about this situation and about this tragedy. But what amazed me was the way they all came together. Whether it was people at the festival site who with no regard for their own lives and their own safety, were helping to load the wounded and the injured into cabs and Ubers and the backs of strangers' trucks 
to drive them to hospitals, to try to get them the medical attention that they need. Or the lineups around the block at, at blood donation locations because the call went out for blood needed for blood transfusions and people just went. They just went because they felt they needed something to do. People who were donating pallets of water and food for those people who were standing in line in 90 degree heat or 100 degree heat to donate blood because they wanted to do something. Seeing footage of people walking up to Las Vegas Metro police officers on the strip and hugging them and thanking them for their service because they were the first responders and they were the ones who put themselves into harm's way to try to secure the safety of the people who were at that festival and the other people who were up and down the Las Vegas strip that night who were getting misinformation and, and hearing stories about multiple shooters and people running up and down the strip, shooting people and in and out of hotels, people that, that again, in the face of danger, when everybody's running away from it, they're running towards it. Those people were the recipients of such gratitude and love. And seeing the way, just the way people came together, both Vegas locals and tourists gathering together at spots like the Las Vegas sign with flowers and pictures and stories, stories about the people who were lost that night. It's sad to say that sometimes it takes a tragedy to really show the good of humanity, but it does. And in my mind, this horrible tragedy that saw the loss of 58 innocent lives helped to cement the closeness of the Las Vegas community and the people who think of Las Vegas as their community. I don't live in Las Vegas. But again, I go there five, six, seven times a year. I've got several friends that I see down there on a very regular basis that I think of as my family. This tragedy that happened in October of 2017, in my mind, it was it was just as terrible as if it happened down the street from where I live in Calgary. But seeing the way people reacted helped to restore my faith in humanity. In closing, I want to pay tribute to the memory of the lives lost on October 1st, 2017. I'm going to read their names. And upon the conclusion of reading those names, observe a brief moment of silence. Hannah Lissette Allers. Heather Lorraine Alvarado. Doreen Anderson. Carrie Ray Barnett. Jack Reginald Beaton. 
Stephen Richard Berger. Candace Ryan Bowers. Denise Bertitis. Sandra Casey. Andrea Lee Anna Castilla. Denise Cohen. Austin William Davis. Thomas Day Jr. Christiana Duarte. Stacy Ann Echeber. Brian S. Fraser. Carrie Galvin. Dana Leanne Gardner. Angela C. Gomez. Rachio Guillen. Charleston Hartfield. Christopher Hazencomb. Jennifer Topaz Irvine. Teresa Nicole Kimura. Jessica Klimchuk. Carly Ann Craybaum. Rhonda M. LaRock. Victor L. Link. Jordan McElDoon. Kelsey Brianne Meadows. Calla Marie Medig. James Melton. Patricia Maestas. Austin Cooper Meyer. Adrian Allen Murphitt. Rachel Kathleen Parker. Jennifer Parks. Carolyn Lee Parsons. Lisa Marie Patterson. John Joseph Fippen. Melissa V. Ramirez. Jordan N. Rivera. Quinton Robbins. Cameron Robinson. Tara Ann Rowe. Lisa Romero Muniz. Christopher Lewis Roybal. Brett Schwanbeck. Bailey Schweitzer. Laura Ann Ship. Eric Silva. Susan Smith. Brennan Lee Stewart. Derek Dean 
Taylor. Nasa C. Tonks. Michelle Vo. Kurt Allen Vontillo. William W. Wolf. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 37 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast, a Walker New Media production.